first thing you got to do is you got to come in and you got to do Monday's show. So we got Monday, we got Nitro, Nitro, three hours. Okay? So after that, on Tuesday, we're going to do Thunder. So mm -hmm. we got to do two hours. Well, Thunder's taped. Mm -hmm. So in order to do Thunder, you have to write this three-hour Nitro. Oh, right. So that Thunder makes sense. So now you're writing. Right. Ten hours, of, ten hours of TV. Writing ten hours of TV to make that situation work, which was fucking. Br I mean, that show should have. And Eric will say that was one of the biggest. Going to three hours was horrifying. <laughs> this was horrifying. If it would have stayed that, I wouldn't be sitting here talking about guest booking. Right. Because it wasn't a. You know, but these, these, I mean, that was, and then you get to here and a guy gets, cause it's taped here, gets hurt. Then this all changes. Yes. Oh yeah. And it just, and it goes on and on and on. Then you got guys with creative control that at seven o'clock on this day, just say, it doesn't work, work for me. Doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Booking philosophy, as explained by Kevin Nash, or at least booking the nightmare that was WCW and his live versus tape shows. Sounds like tape shows and, and booking for them can be a little difficult when you have things that happen in real life that throw you off. I guess we'll get to that a little bit later. Hello, folks. This is The Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast. You are listening to... Your host, Mr. Green, as I go through a couple of these things that's going on in the world of uh, primarily uh, women's wrestling. Not just all WOW. I mean, I know WOW has been the uh, the crutch of a lot of this, but not just all WOW. We, can, we got a couple of different things in there, too. Uh, but I, I felt like it was a necessity to... I needed to get somebody with a voice who's, who... Um, wrestling fans would recognize and know and that talked about some booking issues and I was, and I figured you know what better way than to have a big sexy <laughs> do it as he talked about the problems going on with uh, Thunder and Nitro uh, in any case let us go into the world of, of wrestling and, and address a couple of things because there's a lot there, there's a lot that's going on here and um, I want to make sure that I, I cover as much as I can 
I didn't realize it was so much stuff that was kind of lingering over uh, over me this this week. But, you know, hey, it is what it is, and we, we'll get through this the best we can. Of course, I'm sure a lot of you know that the WWE has decided to issue new championship belts. Now, I don't know why they decide to do these uh, swaps. You know, because it, it almost always necessitates if they draft one champion, then you know the other one of that's already on the show is going to go to the opposite brand. It's no surprise. It's no, no big thing. And then it requires them to decide, okay, how are we going to get the belt from one person to the next? Now, that wasn't a problem with Roman because he has both of them. But when you're the Raw Women's Champion and you're the SmackDown Women's Champion, but you take your Raw Women's Championship to SmackDown and vice versa, it pretty much necessitates uh, them having to do a swap or an exchange of some sort unless... You just take a new championship belt and you give it to him, which has no specific brand identity attached to it, which I guess is fine. I mean, I don't know why, the, the, why they even bother to tell the world that they have a brand split that they're going to s- s- stick with. They've never stuck to a brand split. The most they did is the first time they ever tried it, but they, they have never stuck to this brand split. It is a waste of time. I don't know why they bother. How difficult is it just to say that champions are draft ineligible? I mean, I think that would be pretty easy to do. Like, you can't draft them. They'd, so long as you're the championship, you know that you're good. But anyway, so we got new championship belts, both uh, given to the, the current champions, Rhea Ripley, whose championship belt is basically a uh, female version of the one that Seth Rollins has. And then you got Asuka, and she has a, assumably a female version of what Roman has got. So rather than to have, uh, again, the brand-specific championship belts, they just have uh, neutral color belts (laughs) now. So no no more red and blue, apparently. We're, we're, We're pretty much done with that. We're just into the new era of gold. And, of course, being the walking billboard that is the uh, WWE logo that's that's plastered all over the thing. So, uh, not saying that the belts look bad. I just, I, I really, really, really wish they would take some time and effort to at least try to make these things look unique. Rather than just, alright, here's our template, let's crank out another one. Uh, it's, uh, anyway. So yeah, we I thought that was uh, you know worth bringing up. We had to at least acknowledge that these belts have been created and, and passed over and passed on. <clears throat> so congratulations to both Oscar and uh, Rhea Ripley on that. Uh, for those of you that are outside of the well, wait a minute, I was I was gonna say outside of WWE, but I, I still got a, a few more little WWE related notes to uh, issue here. Uh, July fifteenth. I'm sure somebody out there would care, but <laughs> and you know she probably would be fine here. But uh, for those fans of Alicia Fox, she will be making an appearance. She is returning to the world of wrestling. Can you believe it? But it won't be for uh, WWE directly. It'll be for what I would consider a WWE adjacent type thing. She is going to appear at Booker T's Reality of Wrestling on July 15th. Alicia Fox will be there. Now, it's not been stated what specifically she's going to do. Is she just doing the meet and greet? Is she actually going to work a match? 
I have not watched this episode of Reality Wrestling that um, announced this, but she will be there. That is the breaking news that they have issued that, or I guess Booker T put out on his Twitter, that Alicia Fox is making her return to wrestling. And it will be at Reality Wrestling, The Row, which I think is uh, still syndicated across some CW networks. Uh, and that will be July 15th in Texas at the Row Arena. If I'm, uh, you know what, let me, <laughs> I would just say at, at the Row. I'm not going to say at the Row Arena. I believe it's there, but I don't want to commit myself to that because I don't have that information in front of me. So, yeah, July 15th, for those who want to tune in or for those who are there and want to appear or, or, or see her live, there you go. You, you've got that. Uh,. The women's tag team champions and championships. We know that uh, the, the WWE has not had a, a really good, um, I don't say run, but they, they haven't really treated those belts in, in, incredibly well since they have lost favor with them. I mean, like I said, they were going to do because the WWE was playing with the women's championships and divisions so long as, as it was the bright new toy that they had. You remember that? You remember when they did the uh, the whole women's evolution thing and that, that whole year, they were so bound and determined to make sure that the world knew that we are progressive and that we're moving our women's forward and they cranked out everything that they could possibly crank out. I mean, yes, it started out on NXT, but then it just, you know, the May Young Classic. When was the last time we got one of those? Uh, but on the main roster, I mean, it was a big deal because they wanted the world to see it. They, you know, they made press releases and they did all sorts of stuff. And what did they do? They started off with, a, not in any particular order, but they did the female, the Women's Royal Rumble. They did the Women's Money in the Bank. Uh, they did their tag team championships that they released they reissued the um uh the the, the the raw and smackdown championships at the time they main event at wrestlemania you know that there, there was all these things that they did that they wanted to be able to tell people look at us we we have done it we're, we're the wwe we're progressive we move forward etc etc now the, the shine is off of that and the WWE, yes, there's still, you know, good women's matches and they're very talented ladies there, but they certainly are not taking their full division seriously. As it is related by Ronda Rousey. Rousey, who just, uh, along with her friend, uh, you know, fellow four horse woman from the, the MMA or the UFC four horse women, Baszler. And now they're women's tag team champions, but we've got Rousey who made comments uh, pertaining to that. And, you know, I, I will say this. I know some people don't necessarily care for her these days, but I will say this for Rousey. She sits in a position where the rest of the women that's on that roster cannot sit. She doesn't care. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. I just mean that the threat of we're going to let you go or or uh, we're going to bury you underneath our booking or or something along those lines is not going to affect Ronda Rousey because I think she'd sooner walk out than allow them to just book her into oblivion. Like you're going to lose every week or something like do something stupid like that to try to get even with her. 
she she has enough money, clout, and and leverage to where if she chose, like you know, screw this, I'm done. It's not really much that they can do to stop her. I mean, if Sasha Banks and Naomi were able to walk out and not have any problems, then I don't want to say problems, but walk out and not have any real major lat backlash from WWE other than the fact that they got pissy about it and decided to get on TV and try to use their weaponize their audience against them. They let you down. They they let all of you down. They walked out on us and the blah blah you know that you remember that speech that Michael Cole gave? Yeah, that. That was the WWE trying to weaponize their audience to be mad at Sasha Banks and Naomi. When they were pretty much in the wrong here. And this whole thing, in my view, proves it. I'm going to read what um, the quote that Ronda Rousey said when talking about the women's division. Well, the lack of competition is really the problem. I mean, we want to be the most active champions out there. I wanted to be able to defend this title every week, even twice a week on both SmackDown and Raw. But with how dismally shallow the women's division is right now, there's not enough women around here to keep us busy for a month. And so that's the biggest challenge, that we have to get this company to actually care and invest into this tag team division. That was Ronda Rousey's words about the tag team division. Now, on May 16th, 2022, a little over a year ago, this is the same thing that Sasha and Naomi walked out of that company for. That fans out there who fell into that that weaponizing thing that the WWE did, well, we'll just say Vince McMahon because he know that he was the one that pulled the trigger and said, say something about him. Uh, the same thing that they gave them all kinds of crap for because they took their job seriously. And they didn't want for that division to be treated like a joke because they wanted to be, they wanted it to be something. They want they they wanted to prop it up and elevate it. And the WWE, for for all intents and purposes, fought against them. They wouldn't allow them to prop it up. They wouldn't allow them to elevate it. They wouldn't create any tag teams. They, all they do is they just rotate one interchangeable face to another to be a part of a tag team when we don't have anything to do for you singularly. As I just said, this this is the same problem that they had over a year ago, and nothing has changed. Nothing's changed. The only difference is now, is like I said, Ronda Rousey is able to get on any platform and say these things without uh, without fear of what they may do to her. Because if they do it, if they do enough or they threaten enough, she to leave. It's about the leverage. She she has leverage. She still has a name. She could probably go back to USC if she wanted to. I doubt that she does. But I'm sure that she can also take a, a run to Hollywood or something like that, or just stay at home. She's made money. She's made money. She probably does not need this in order for her to live. So, you know, it's it's a sad, sad, sad state of affairs that is at this point where a problem that, existed over a year ago has not been addressed and they haven't even bothered to do anything to fix it or acknowledge it for that matter you know it's not like they it's not like the WWE has a large track record over the last 20 years of wanting a bunch of good tag teams in the first place 
But they certainly didn't don't want to do that for the women's tag. They, they, those titles were a waste of time. That's all they were. They were a complete waste of time. It was only there to accommodate the narrative that we are moving forward and we care about our women's division. If they keep going on this rate, they'll be right back to where they were 10 years ago when the women's matches probably ran for about five minutes in the course of a three-hour show. Anyhow, uh, speaking of, well, the now Mercedes Monet and uh, Trinity Fatu, the former Sasha Banks and Naomi, um, Trinity made an appearance on the uh, daytime talk show Sherry. You can see that on YouTube. She talks about her uh, leaving the WWE. I mean, it's, it's pretty vague. Uh, you know, she it's not like it's not like a shoot interview. You know, it's not along those lines. Sherry is clearly a fan and kind of supporting this. Uh, she's but she's talking to her. You know, like she would any other person, like an actor. You know, like what's on your mind next? What are you gonna do? What he you know, and and she does bring up Impact Wrestling. You know, of course, that's where she is right now. She's had a couple of matches there already. Uh, I think both of which you can go on to their YouTube channel and see. Uh, but, yeah, that, that entire interview with uh, Trinity Fatu is on YouTube. You can just uh, seek out the Sherry Shepard show, and uh, you probably find it there. Mercedes Monet is still recovered from injury following uh, the – the title match that she had with Willow Nightingale. Uh, from what I understand, that injury pretty much derailed what they were going to do with um, uh, Mercedes at that time. She was scheduled to win. From what, from everything that I understand, she was she was due to win that women's championship, but because. The injury happened during the match. An audible was called, and Willow Nightingale got the championship anyway. So, I mean, uh, unfortunate for Mercedes because essentially that championship was, I mean, it was it was destined for her for you know for all intents and purposes. The in the New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling Strong Women's Title that 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 belt was more or less destined for Mercedes, and it may still be, but she's got to get over the injury first. She says she's coming back, and I believe she is. Um, but as of right now, Willow Nightingale, another former WOW competitor who just moved on to another wrestling organization. She was eye candy back in, in those days, for those who may not remember. But uh, Willow is now a now champion for New Japan and working AEW and just a, a, across the wrestling landscape. So I guess good on her. And um, we wish Mercedes Monet a speedy recovery that she can is able to get back in the ring. I believe that is what is a busted ankle. Last report I read is that it might be a very strong sprain and not, not necessarily a break. Uh, hopefully for Mercedes, it, it is not that. Uh, Kiara Hogan, another former WOW competitor, as fire, is set to take on Anth- uh, I was about to say Anthem. <laughs> Anthem is a company. Athena, the, the current uh, Ring of Honor Women's Champion. So Kiara Hogan and Athena are due to get it on at a uh, Chicago street fight on June, uh, excuse me, uh, was July, July 15th. I believe that's it. 
And I might have to go back and check the date. But uh, what I did want to bring up about that was the the brutality that this is probably the most I've seen Kara Hogan being used. <laughs> her going to Ring of Honor may have been the best thing for. Her. I mean, she and Athena, it looked like they had some beef. It looked like they had beef with each other. They, after the match, I mean, I, I'm looking at this thing. I'm watching them take these shots. I mean, and just all the facials and the, the referees trying to get into the way. And it, it, all that, there, there, was, there was a lot of uh, uh, a lot of heat going into that. <laughs> that. That's pretty much all I can say. There was a lot of heat going into that. And... It, it was it was something to be seen, and they still have some you know another uh, another encounter in the future to have to deal with. Now, what I meant to say is uh, they've had their their match. I'm I'm about a day behind as I'm recording this, so they they've done the 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 street fight that was. No, that, I'm sorry. They've done the brawl. The brawl that I was what I was talking about, which was following the match. They are due to have their match on June 2nd, the 22nd. June 22nd, it will be a Chicago street fight. So as I'm recording this, this is the uh, 16th. They got a couple of days before they head in there. Well, June 15th is what I was trying to get across earlier, and I apologize June 15th, I got my date mixed up. It was Athena who defeated Trish Adora for the uh, Women's Championship. And some of you may know Trish Adora, some of you may not. Uh, She was there on the tail end of Ring of Honor just before the Sinclair era ended with Ring of Honor. Trish Adora was a part of that. In fact, um, I believe she was part of that last tournament to crown their champion and the and the uh, the whole um, uh, da, 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 documentary that they did, which I thought was a little underwhelming. The documentary is basically just a documentary on the tournament. I mean, they 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 talked about it like it was going to be for the entirety of their women's division and the history, but it was it was more or less like a backstage pass to see what was going on during the course of that tournament. But I bring that up to say, if you want to see Trisha Dora in action, then you could probably just go onto the, uh, the ring of honor, uh, YouTube page or a channel. And you can see, uh, Tr- Trisha Dora in action. Of course you can see her on independence. You can just Google it out. But yeah, I, I got my dates backwards there. June 15th, Athena took on Trisha Dora. Now she is heading into her match with Kiara Hogan, who apparently is going to be her biggest uh, rival at the moment. It is interesting to me, though, I will say, that uh, they have found their way back to each other. And I say back to each other because when I interviewed Kiara several years ago, she went down to a tryout for WWE on the same weekend that Athena went down and tried out for WWE. And I remember during that interview, and, it's, and it is up available on uh, my YouTube channel, the Women's Person Network YouTube channel. Uh, Kiera was saying within the course of that interview, she's like, uh, I was down there with, with Athena, 
and they signed her on the spot. <laughs> you know, you know they they wanted her. They 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 got her and they signed her right then and right there that weekend as you know part of NXT, and that's when you got Ember Moon. Uh, Kiera just left there. She didn't get signed, but it did open her up, and she was able to go to Impact Wrestling following that. And from that point on, she had been on national television, I mean, pretty much nonstop. She went to Impact, and then while she was on Impact, simultaneously she did WOW uh, because it didn't interfere with the um, the schedules, you know, as far as I could remember. Uh, then when she uh, left WOW and Impact Wrestling, she went to AEW, became one of the baddies there. And now within AEW, I mean, because technically she's still underneath the same roof, she's been migrated over to Ring of Honor. So, and, and back around, full circle, back around to the same person that she met when they were both going out for WWE. Just, just a little side note there. Just I thought that would, uh, you know, kind of wrap that in because I think, I think it's a little interesting point. And thank you for dealing with me as I fumbled over the dates. <laughs> Uh, lastly, you know, outside of the review, uh, I want to say congratulations to Brooklyn Creed, Southern Fried Championship Wrestling, recently just crowned as first women's champion. Despite the fact that that company in this region had existed for 10 years, I mean, it is a long-standing independent. A lot of them don't make it past five. I mean, so really, really bravo to them. But this is the first time they've they've had a women's champion. They they've brought women in and they've had women's championships defended there, but they never had a champion that represented their own personal company. And this is their first Brooklyn Creed. And uh, I really hope to see her do some other things and make some 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 big moves. Again, congratulations, and it is much like the Kiara Hogan-Athena deal, and this is a spoiler, uh, so if you don't want to hear this, you probably need to skip ahead just a little bit, maybe about 30, 40 seconds or so, uh, but it was, I'm going to give it a little, a little time for you to skip ahead. Okay, you still here? All right, good. So if you if you wanted to hear this and, and how it ended and not see it, you have Brooklyn Creed. It, it came down to her and her bitter rival, Crystal Rose, uh, which I thought was very apropos, much like Kira Hogan uh, coming full circle against Athena. Uh, I think or I thought that that was very much full circle, that those two would come at it again. They, they literally, uh, just before and a little bit during the pandemic, they essentially propped up wrestling for women in the Southeast region, you know, particularly Georgia and Alabama and, and maybe part of Tennessee. They, they propped it up. They, they were booked all over the place and they kept wrestling each other over and over and over again. I mean, I have a, a, a playlist on my page right now. I keep saying page, I mean channel, but I have a playlist on my channel right now that uh, has – Creed versus Rose, and and the the presentation changes, but the matchup, you know, just keeps evolving. They get better with each other. And when I mean the presentation, of course, you got heel one one place, and and uh, babyface the other. And Southern Fried Brooklyn's an absolute babyface. She she's one of the most singularly beloved uh, wrestlers that's there. 
Whereas in uh, the opposite side of that are Anarchy Pro Wrestling, which is formerly or at least ex- exists in the same space as the former NWA Wildside, the same company that birthed AJ Styles. And uh, in some cases, I, I know Abyss was there as, as Prince Justice and and uh, a few other people. Uh, that it was kind of like that pre TNA, you know, that pre two thousand two TNA crowd. So you had a couple of those guys that migrated out. But the point being is that um, Crystal Rose was a product of that that uh, product promotion, and in that area, she's a babyface. So you know, they, they, it's kind of like Bret Hart or Jerry Lawler in Memphis versus everywhere else, or Bret Hart in Canada versus everywhere else. You know, one place he's beloved, the other, all other places hated. So I will end that just to say congratulations again, and uh, also congratulations to Crystal Rose. I mean, she gave it a heck of a try. But, uh, you know, Brooklyn was just the better woman that day. So now we can go into the WoW review and give this show a... Give it the old once-over. So this is episode 39 that we are coming to now. Episode 39, they are still moving. I, you know, and I I wish I could take credit for that, you know, that they haven't taken in hiatus because I had been preaching that to the top of my lungs, stop taking these breaks, and they finally stopped taking the breaks. Now, I can't say that I was responsible for that, but, I'm glad that somewhere somebody in that company actually said and spoke up and said, Let, let's change this. Let, let's do something different because this is not going to work. We keep taking these breaks. It gives too much time for things to go wrong and things to get derailed. So let's let's just keep this thing cooking. And they have. So bravo. As most WoW episodes are, they start off with their show recap and then the preview of the main event. I mean, that that's that segment one, that segment one, very easy. They always uh, have it. And, you know, they're trying to keep you in line or keep certain people in your mind and, and uh, how this is going and who's doing what. Uh, if there's anything I would pay attention to, I mean, or ask anybody to pay attention to, I would say, you know, if you notice Lauren Huntley's outfit has changed, which signifies a new uh, taping date. <laughs> if you're ever trying to see how many episodes you can get out of a singular taping day, keep your eyes on the ring announcer's outfit. When it doesn't change, it's all the same day. I mean, you know, theoretically, once it changes, you know you moved on. So segment one is the first match of the show. This is BK Rhythm taking on the debut of Ariel Sky. Ariel Sky, for those who are wondering whether she's a, a WoW original or not, she's actually somebody that wrestles on the independence. She wrestles under the name of Nikki Duke. Uh, that's Nikki with N-I-K-I-I. It's a weird spelling. But if you look her up, you'll, you'll see who I'm talking about. Nikki Duke is uh, who she is. And she, I mean, she looks great. And she uh, didn't just get into wrestling just because, oh, it'll fill my time since I'm no longer doing gymnastics or what, what have you. 
Uh, she actually got in this on her own, and then I think she went and tried out for a while, and lo and behold, here she is. They did not give any sort of introductory video for her, thank goodness, because it's like an uh, introductory video on WoW means you're cursed and destined to lose. They did not do that. They talked her up last week. They was like, and next week will be the debut of Ariel Sky. But that, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I was, I was glad to see it. Uh, so what we have here is we got BK. She starts out the match doing the same thing, doing the same, you know, Jane Cena stick. And this puts the shine largely on Sky. Sky uh, works as the clear babyface in this equation. She, um, I gotta put. She, she did fine. I mean, nobody here. I thought outran or outdid or or brutalized the other. I mean, it, it was nice back and forth. That's probably about the best way I could do it. But I also felt like when I walked into this match, I was like, you know, there's probably a very good chance that BK Rose is going to lose this thing because she always loses. And I know some people out there are under the impression or they've fallen into the the WWE trope of, well, wins and losses don't matter. Yes, they do. They matter. Sorry. They, they matter. When you want someone to be taken seriously as a – threat or a competitor even in fiction they have to win something that's 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 a age-old trope that that is something that is told to you when you enter like a writing class forget wrestling if if you're looking at spider-man for instance and every time you saw the green goblin he always lost, no matter what the circumstances. Then what kind of a threat would he be to Spider-Man? He doesn't have to win against Spider-Man necessarily, but he has to win somewhere. He has to, he has to do something sometime to establish himself as a threat, which, of course, he did, you know, in, especially in later years of the comics. But that's neither here nor there. I know some people are like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> But I say that to say that BK Rhythm's track record here, it reminds me so much of like the disciplinarian. They they like having some of these people being um, related as as a threat of some sort, but they're just not. They just they're not and they just never will be at the at the rate they're going. But in any case, the one thing I can say here is that Rhythm probably did more to try and make Sky look good than anything. But again, it, it, there's no real uh, dominance in the match that I could that I made note of, that I can recall, that I can see. I mean it it was it was a nice match. I mean it was it was a nice debut match. And it did what that match was supposed to do. The match was there to kind of, you know, illustrate who Ariel Sky is. Now, before I go forth in the match about that, my the other note that I had here when I saw Ariel Sky was like, okay, how many more wrestlers do they need for a one-hour show? How many more do you need? How many more people do you have to hire? I do realize there are people that are leaving and, you know, or whatever. Some people either leave 
or some of them are not asked to come back. But in either case, <laughs> it's still a one-hour show. And a lot of these wrestlers on the show are lost in the shuffle as it is. Who else do you need? And nobody almost establishes a personality outside of the, you know, outside of I have a gimmick. And you can see me for that. But when you remove that, I'm like, what? We don't know anything about them. And you're going to add more people that you are going to know less about. So anyway, let, let's just move on uh, back to the match. At some point, Ariel Scott tries to go for a moonsault. BK Rhythm gets up, yanks her ankle, pulls her down. And, you know, with the old heel stick, she takes control. Of course, Ariel Scott does not give up. She kicks out of all these things. She's, she's fighting back. She's showing the guts as BK Rhythm is doing what BK Rhythm can do or what she's trying to do to try to score this win, right? At some point... Uh, Sky is able to reestablish control. She does what would have been a uh, like a version of uh, Trish's Trish Stratus's springboard bulldog. It didn't really look good because she didn't get up to the top rope with it. She she being air Sky, she got her feet on the second, and it seemed like they were moving in slow motion <laughs> when she did it. But she hits her with the with the second rope springboard bulldog, and then that sets BK Rhythm up for the coup de gras, which for Ariel Sky is the moonsault. She does a near picture perfect moonsault and scores the win. Now she moves slow as she could possibly go when she's going up to the top rope, but she did get up to the top rope and she hit that moonsault and she scored. Scored the win there. And we didn't know we had to have an interview following that. Not mad about the interview. It's just, I, I keep saying, Dave McClain does not have to do everything. <laughs> I've said it a couple of times here. It's like, uh, how many of these do you have to do? He's the lead interviewer. He's the lead commentator. He's the matchmaker. You know, so in some cases, he might be the ring announcer. You know, it's... I, I still maintain he needs to throttle back on some of that. You've got other people there. you got people that's working for you, letting them do some of this. But he, Dave McClain, gets up from the commentary table and goes in after the match for a 30-second interview, which is you know, not an accurate count, but that's about what it is. Uh, it was almost not worth doing. It basically was him going in and saying, hey, Ariel Sky, you won the match. Tell me something. And then she's, oh, thank you for having me here. And I'm so lucky to be a part of WoW as she starts to cry. I, there's a part of me that feels like that was just played up. I don't know if she, <laughs> would, if she found herself legit overwhelmed with emotion and legit having to cry, but yeah, there's part of me that feels like that is just kind of played up just a little bit. So you have that, and you got this young lady who is oh so happy to be there. So good on her. We go to the next segment, and we have a recap of Jesse Jones having her leg broken, and uh, this sets up what happens next, which would be revenge. Uh. 
Revenge for an event that took place weeks ago. This is another one of those things I'm like, I'm, I'm not sure I understand this because this was a month back. A month back when the Heavy Metal Sisters allegedly broke Jesse Jones's leg. That happened a month ago. And Americana is just now getting to a point where she's pissed off about it enough about it to where I got to attack you or, you know, challenge you to a match. This entire thing was ridiculous. The editors did a great job. The editors for that uh, recap package, they did a great job because one of the complaints that I had at the time was like, oh, man, come on. You could see that that chair did not come close to Jesse Jones's leg or knee. And how would it break it in the first place? You know, she's smacking it on the ground. She's not hitting anything. And it was very clear that she wasn't hitting anything. The editors here took, I don't want to say painstaking effort, but they took effort to make sure that that wasn't seen. In the recap, there's just a second or so of um, of the actual hit. But because of the way that they filtered the, the footage and, and they put a little effect on top of it, like, like at impact, there's a little shake, something like that. And it's very, it's very quick, very quick, not, nothing distracting. But when they did it, I mean, that, that took that away. They, they erased the visual of the chair shot being bad. And I, I was fine with that. But what I don't have, a, what I am not happy with is like why this plan for revenge for somebody who's been in the same building with you for weeks why now i can tell you why but we're going to go into the match first and that'll that'll start somebody explain some of it so this match was supposed to be fury the muscle of the heavy metal sisters versus americana now fury's coming out there with razor and mesmeriah who's returned from who knows where and Americana charges right in. The first note I wrote with that is like, this is the most fire I've ever seen from her. Explanation point. So on that regard, I was like, okay, yeah, that, but what is this about? Right? Uh, all this did is that if it made the heavy metal sisters retaliate and then they beat up uh, uh, Americana. I was, I was like, why is fire? <laughs> Kiara Hogan's name just kept popping in my head for some reason. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the Metal Sisters retaliate. Razor and Mesmeriah came into the ring, and they beat her up, as they should have. But uh, they did the next best thing following this is that once the heels get on there, the clock is ticking. And who comes in to save Americana but Stevie Slays and Jennifer Flores. So they saved the day from the beating that Americana would have took I assume that this match was thrown out because they really didn't announce anything past that point that I can recall. <clears throat> and then we got Americana cutting the promo. It is not good, but she's trying. I'll I'll give her that. Now the context of what she's saying. Uh, here we go at this nonsense again. 
So when she gets on the microphone and says that Jesse Jones, you hurt my friend. I mean, this isn't verbatim, so but so look it up when you get a chance. You hurt my friend, and you broke her her leg. She won't be able to wrestle again. She was Jesse Jones is announced as not being able to wrestle anymore. Now I don't know whether that means she's left the company or whether she was legit hurt, which I doubt, and she's just gonna. Uh, steer into the managerial role. Now, the only reason that I doubt it is because I know that one of the companies that I've advertised for in this, you know, in this podcast, which would be um, the, the Custom Vixens, she'll be there. She'll be at Custom Vixens. I, I want to say within the next two, three weeks. So, I'm like, well, the knee can't be that bad. She's still walking around on it. She's still doing, you know, matches on it. So. And if I see her in any place like a professional wrestling environment outside of Wild, then I'm really going to call Wild on it. Like, nope. <laughs> she didn't chicken out. She just <clears throat> chose to do something else. But uh, I am wondering, is this the write-off for Jesse Jones? Is this the time when they finally say, okay, yeah, we're done. We're, we're going to let Jesse go and move on. So I give Americana credit for the effort of trying to um, relate where her angle is. But this is silly. I'm going to come out four weeks after the fact that you attacked my friend, and now I'm going to try to get even with you a month later. That's, that's ridiculous. And to add on to that, she's got to say that, and you guys broke my son's tablet. This is yet again another non-scene angle. Why do we keep getting these these angles of things that they're talking about that we haven't seen? That is the reason that I put that uh, clip of Kevin Nash talking about booking errors at the front of this show. For that reason alone. Because I'm almost positive things like this are due to it being taped and these marathon tapings that they do and they feel like they can't cover it all. It's like, could you not at least get a camera phone and a tablet and have one of them just stomp on it and, and walk off? Like, how how hard would that have been? I, I don't know. I mean, I assume that that would be easy. I would think that would be easy. I would think that at this point... They would take the idea that I pitched on, you know, a while back on several episodes. Give your employees or your contracted players tripods and a little clamp that holds your phone in place. And let them take it home. If you have situations like this, it should be made into the contract. Uh, <clears throat> that you need to be able to save segments that may have gone wrong for a variety of reasons by taking this tripod home and a clamp you can use your phone and cut me a promo and maybe fill in some blanks but when you're in the building and you're in the middle of the ring I was like what why didn't they just shoot this why what is the problem here and and again you know you heard it at the beginning if something goes wrong in this taped environment it ruins everything going forward now, I understand that because that, that there's been a lot of wrestling promotions over the years that have taped and those things do happen. But sometimes you also got to cut your loss. 
if if you have a match that's on the the books on tape on a hard drive and that match no longer makes sense, you got to cut that match. I know you don't want to do it, but you, you may have to cut that match. But I, 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 this, this lack of continuity with WoW is just so irritating. I mean, and they, they do reasonable matches. In some cases, I'll say very good matches. But this continuity problem is just what is going on. The, let's just go back to the first match for a second, the BK Rhythm match. Where was Levi, her alleged number one fan? She's been in like two matches since uh, Americana announced that. Oh yeah, she's her, her uh, she's his favorite. I've yet to see that boy out of the ringside cheering for her. Yet to see that. Probably because he didn't want him. <laughs> he did just there, and they just rode him into it. But I have yet to see him at ringside for who we've been told is his favorite wrestler. I have yet to see, I mean, these angles that take place in the middle of the angle, this is like they already had a feud going. And this is another bump in the fuse. Like, hey, you broke my son's tablet. How did that happen? I mean, did he leave it on the floor? Was he giving him lip? Was he saying, you got suck? And then they just took it from him? Nothing. All, all we have is her word. All we got is Americana's word that this took place at all. This, this is just not not good. I'm sorry, it's not. But but the match was thrown out, like I said, after Razor Mesmerized jumped in and uh, Flores and Slays came out for the save. Uh, the match, they just walked off. They just walked off and said, screw it. You know? And uh it's been thrown out. So it was match two, but there's no real winner there. But this uh, th- this idea of non-scene story, that this happens too much. They, they need to stop that unless they can have something that can be talked up. I mean, if it was good enough talking, they probably could have fixed that situation. But all due respect to Americana, she's not a good talker. She's not a good promo. She's not a good interview. Doesn't give a lot of personality. Doesn't. You know, it's like a deer in headlights when she's uh, cutting a promo. It's like somebody caught her eye and she just <laughs> got to keep staring blankly at the at the cameras or something. But after she makes this and she talks about she's going to get even and you stepped on my, t- my son's tablet, she like, you know, dr- she does a, a mic drop, which, ugh, gosh. Yeah, or I should say, yeah, she drops the mic attempting to do the old mic drop thing. I, it just it just didn't work for me. That did not work for me at all. The next segment is the recap of the Mother Trucker's story. Then we go to, well, I should say Mother Trucker's story as it relates to Samantha Smart. And then we go to the backstage video with Campanelli and Rara as they sit in, in their locker room and they openly talk about Ice Cold hopping from one team to the next. Now, I will say I thought that was a nice touch. It's a nice touch to acknowledge and incorporate that into a promo. Nice touch there. Because if anybody had watched this at great length, 
that would be something that you would notice is that she started off singles and then she partnered up with Samantha Smart and her crew and then she got fed up with them and then she left and she partnered up with Exile. And now Exile seems like his his bottoming out. I but you know what what, what are you gonna say? But it was nice that Campanelli called it out. I thought I thought that was a little funny for them. But the next thing you have while this is going on backstage is Ra Ra suggesting getting a squad together. And um <laughs> that was that was uh, I think Campanella's cue. She was like, all right, we got a match, let's go. So they kind of left that open ended. I have no idea whether they're gonna follow up with that or not. I, I honestly I have no idea whether it will even attempt to follow that up or not. Uh this is one of those things that, you know, is is it becomes not annoying but questionable. Like are they are they actually gonna get behind this and, and get somebody else to join this this team? It just feels like things like that they kind of let fall by the wayside. Is one of the examples is uh, <clears throat> the whole Campanelli rah rah dynamic. When they first hooked up, it was almost clear that Campanelli was a heel partnering with a babyface. She she talked over rah rah. She basically yanked the microphone from in front of her. She treated her very subservient and very heelish. But they never flipped her heel at least not yet and the idea originally I thought that they were going to do this whole deal have Campanelli and Rara partner up because they kept the whole narrative going they kept the narrative of uh, Coach Campanelli basically Bossing her around. I mean, she was she wasn't a bully necessarily, but she bossed her around just nonstop. Uh, but that didn't go anywhere. It was like a setup. It's like they laid out this setup for an angle, the split, and it didn't go anywhere. It's been months worth of this. Now it's kind of migrated towards their Abbott and Costello. That is the best way that I can describe them. These two are Abbott and Costello. They're just a comedy duo now. Campanelli is the straight woman that lines up the jokes. Ra-Ra delivers the punchline. That's that's pretty much their dynamic. You know, see, Campanelli would be Lou Abbott and Ra-Ra would be Bud Costello. Yes, these are old vaudeville comedians. <laughs> But, but it is look them up, kids. Google them. You know, you can Google them about that. But but if you see, if you've ever seen their routine or any one of the routines, you'll get what I'm saying. This is this is what they are. If you want a more modern version of it, look at and even this is old. I was gonna say, look at the Williams brothers. Look at Sean and Marlon. Marlon was the was the idiot of the of the duo. Sean did funny stuff, but he was largely there to be the straight man to the to the comedy. But that's what this is. It's, it's just, it's just them doing stuff and trying to, and, you know, and and being silly. Now I'm gonna veer off for a second because while I'm talking about Campanelli and and Rara, I wanted to draw up a comparison uh, because it was brought to my attention 
uh, that one of the, the, the my coworkers had not seen a I want a hardcore match. I'm just gonna call it a hardcore match. He had never seen a hardcore match before. Because this wow is his introduction to wrestling, period. So he saw the schoolyard brawl, which I mean he thought was entertaining. But he didn't, you know, he's like, no, he hadn't he didn't really see anything special in it, but it was entertaining. So what I told him was, okay, you know, you haven't seen this, and I know you only really watch WoW, but I need you to look at this one clip. It's going to it'll be fine. It's not going to take too long. I mean, it'll probably give you about, you know, 15, give, give me 15, 20 minutes of your time to watch that when you have, when you have a, a moment. And he agreed. And I told him, go watch the Hardcore Team War on the NWA YouTube channel. This is also women's wrestling. Um. The best way I can describe it is kind of like a mix of a cageless, rotating war games slash Survivor Series. The rules basically being you got two teams of four. One from each team will be in the ring. They do not add on. They eliminate. So when one team member is eliminated, they go to the back. The next team member comes off of the floor and enters the match. And that'll keep going until one team is eliminated. So theoretically, you could have four people on one side left and one on the other. But, you know, it, it was mostly a rotation between teams, you know, back and forth. And they took top rope elimination, uh, DQ, not DQ, because it, it was, there was no disqualification. That was the whole point. But pinfall, submission, and top rope elimination is what they took. So anyway. I told him you need to go watch this. If you if if the schoolyard brawl is the only version of a hardcore match you you're familiar with or if you've ever known, you need to be looking at this hardcore team war. And he and he did. And he came back to me, you know, it's like holy crap! I did not know these girls hit this hard. There's especially a spot in there where somebody just got clobbered in the mouth with a drop kick. I mean, it's, it's something. If you haven't seen it, you need to go watch it too. Whoever you're out there listening, you need to go watch it. But this is a perfect comparison of contrast between what WOW does and what the NWA and most of the other wrestling organizations do. The first thing that I, I noticed about this Pretty empowered would be, you know, they're they're the heel team, and and surprisingly, they, if you look at them, they're like uh, the NWA's equivalent of the Fabulous Four, I guess, if you want to make comparative notes. Uh, largely pink and black in colors, in in their team colors, much like you know the Fabulous Four. But they did exactly what I was suggesting for the Fabulous Four. I mean, not suggested, saying for the Fabulous Four for weeks. Those mirrors are ridiculous. The tools that WoW uses are ridiculous. They are not something that would knock anybody out. And and it's hard to even suspend your disbelief to say that this tiny mirror and I'm not even hitting you with the glass side. Just knocked you out cold. 
What are you made of? Glass? This is ridiculous. Pretty Empire walked out there with a steel chair spray painted pink. Uh, I think a pink billy club, a bedazzled, no, and a bedazzled. Uh, uh, I think it was a bedazzled billy club and a, and a kendo stick, and uh, one of them brought out pink brass knuckles. It is, that is exactly what I said that the fabulous force should be doing. I said lose those mirrors, and you don't even have to change the scheme. Just go online, buy a pair of brass knuckles, and spray paint them pink. You can you can customize this on your own. All it has to do is fit the narrative of the group. Once you do that on camera, it'll be fine. And then you hit the person. But then uh, start thinking about, okay, that means one of two things. WoW is aiming this for an audience that probably isn't awake at 10 or 11 or 12 o'clock at night. If, if they're going to stick with stuff like, oh, yeah, we got to use this yard stick to, to knock somebody out, <clears throat> then they're not aiming for that. They can't be. They had a schoolyard brawl. Now, keep bear this in mind. As, and, and I so hope that you go and watch this hardcore war so you can get the, the grasp of what I'm saying between the two. Uh... They had the schoolyard brawl, and they brought a bunch of things that were school-related, and that's fine. They should have. I said it in that podcast. I stand by that. Everybody in that match has some relation technically to a school. Samantha Smart, the disciplinarian, the coach, and the cheerleader. So them having a schoolyard brawl, no problem. But the things that they used – Dodgeballs, notebooks, notebook paper, uh, pencils. You know, they, they had a, a bunch of little things. And like, okay, the hiding of the three-hole, three-punch hole puncher was a nice touch. And I can understand that knocking somebody out. But if you can use that, why not use, you know, brass knucks or anything else? And you really didn't even see it because... She held it in her pom poms. That might be the key. That like maybe it's a case of, well, we don't want these ladies using weapons. I don't know, or we don't want to see them using weapons. Again, I don't know. But you've got these things coming out the ringside, and yet and still, the disciplinarian walks out week in and week out with this giant paddle of thick wood with her name carved in it. How is that thing not part of the uh, schoolyard brawl? How was that? She walked out with a weapon that was never used. How is that part of a schoolyard brawl? Or I should say, why is it not part of the schoolyard brawl? Why would you use notebook paper? Why would you use a notebook? Those things are just silly. And it doesn't do anything. So that was... uh, just a little bit of comparative note. I just, I just felt like it, you had to talk about that so people can understand the differences between the two. When I talk about the NWA or MLW or Impact Wrestling, I, I know the audience that they're aiming for. They're aiming for eighteen to thirty-five. So you know, basically. While I'm not sure. 
it looks like, both in presentation of outfits, names, and weaponry, it looks like they've made this for kids. But then the time slot will suggest differently. The time slot will suggest that they're going for 18 to 35. Young males. But who knows? I can't I cannot verify that one way or the other. Maybe one day, yes, maybe one day somebody come off of that show and and, and spill the beans like, oh yeah, we was, you know, this was our demographic that was aiming for and uh, who we wanted on the show, how many times we take. Maybe they'll spill all the secrets. I don't know. But as of right now, I have no idea. The uh, the match, you know, I don't think I talked about the recap of the mother trucks. I went into the backstage camp. But let me let me go back. They, they did set up the whole thing with the, the whole mother truckers deal. They did a brief recap there. I was like, all right. Truck was stolen. Outside, outsmarted by Samantha Smart. They go try to get. They get arrested. Now they they've been helped out by the greatest attorney in the world, who I guess is licensed to practice in Tennessee too. Uh, goes to Tennessee and she gets them out. She's like, "You'll be out in the morning, but you owe me a favor." So I assume that they may turn heel. I don't know. May, we will see. The match that was following these this segment with the uh, recap of the Mother Truckers and the backstage vignette of Campanelli and Rara is a, it's a tag team match. Ice Cold and Genesis versus Coach Campanelli and Randy Rara. Now, this here. The match is fine. It was a cold match, but the match is fine. Now, there's really nothing in this other than we just need to we need to score a win just to kind of move things on uh i have no idea what happened to genesis's to genesis's <laughs> genesis extra <laughs> tag team partner <laughs> yeah i fumbled over that but i have no idea what happened to where her partner's um exodus Ice cold filled in for her, and I'm fine with that too because you know that that happens sometimes. You just you got to do it. I mean, hell, I was I was around at a time where when Road Warrior Hawk left the the uh, WWE, that was filled in by Crush. <laughs> he tagged in with Road Warrior Animal to go around defending the you know fulfilling the remaining dates of the um, the Road Warriors, but that was a weird team to watch and and. This wouldn't be any different. Ice Cold and Genesis opposed to Genesis and Exodus. Where is Malaya Hosaka, by the way? Are they ever going to explain that? Or is she just going to vanish into thin air and move on? This is a standard tag team match. The babyfaces start off strong until the heels cut them off. And and they work. I, I, I really don't have any, any real beef or problems with the match. I thought the match and everything here was totally fine. Uh, this ended with uh, Campanelli, get, well, I should say the heat is on um, uh, Rara. They kind of, not lock her down, but you know, they're cutting her off, making sure that she can't get the tag and all this stuff. All the things that you know that you expect out of a good tag team match, right? They were trying to cut it off until she 
found her way to escape. Now, how did she do that? Ice Cold shoots Ra-Ra into her corner. She comes in, charges with the, the double knees. When she makes the tag out to her partner, because I'm assuming Ice Cold is going to be the you know honorary member of exile, and you know what? Now to think about, maybe Malaya Hosaka has been exiled. Maybe, maybe Exodus has been exiled. But anyway, uh, Genesis tags in and she picks up Ra Ra and what looks to be like for a spine buster, but uh, that was not the case. Ra Ra actually hooked a front face lock on uh, Genesis to prevent her from doing whatever, which I thought that was like, that was a great counter. But uh, Genesis still had enough control over her. She walks her into the uh, turnbuckle to be able to tag out to her partner. Once Ice Cold gets her to loosen that grip around Genesis' neck, then it sets up for what used to be called a heart attack. Except for, without instead of a clothesline, uh, Ice Cold did a neck breaker. She did like a, a, a running neck breaker, grabbed the head of um, Ra Ra and sets her down. I thought, I was like, okay, that was a good move. That should have been the finish. <laughs> I mean, it, it was a nice, nice finishing move. And then for whatever reason, Genesis and Ice Cold are arguing in the ring. Like, get in over there. Go tag her, dude. You know, and Ice Cold goes, not tag, but go pin her. And Ice Cold goes in. She makes the pin. But by that time, of course, it's too late. Rara's able to kick out. She kicks Ice Cold off. And she makes the, the tag to Campanelli. Campanelli comes in for the cleanup, which is what she's there for. They had a, what I would consider a miss. I think this is a bit of a botch. When uh, Campanelli tries to go for an enziguri on the back of Ice Cold's head, it looks like she shot a little high. But fortunately for the production people and the editor, they uh, they cut that out. Ice Cold gets thrown onto uh, or placed on Campanelli's shoulders, and Campanelli uses Ice Cold as a weapon to knock Genesis off of the apron with her boots. And then, once she puts her down, it's time for the end. The, the assisted Sinton bomb. Uh, this is following an airplane spin. I forgot she got up on her shoulders, spun her towards her partner, her boots knocked over, and then she proceeds to spin Ice Cold around. Sets her down like a forward Russian leg sweep. Makes the tag. Gets this senton bomb. Uh, Ra-Ra tags back out so Campanella can get the the win. You know, much like she does because she's the boss of her, right? And there you have it. Randy Ra-Ra and Coach Campanelli win another one. The former tag team champions continue to do well. Even though they've been, you know, kind of held up in a way from the tag team championships, which is fine. They probably don't need it again at this point. Any, anyhow, I'm just saying, you know, I've noticed, I see it, I see it, that that's what they're doing. But that was it. They win. It was, like I said, it was a nice match, but it was a cold match, so it wasn't really going anywhere. We might get something off of uh, Ice Cold and Genesis having words with each other after the match, but um, I'm almost not going to hold my breath on that. There's no surprise who won here. Uh, going into this next segment, we've got a preview of Holiday and Siren versus the Tonga Twins. They cut into this video with another video of Holiday um, 
essentially taking credit for taking over the uh, broadcast. And they talk about her, and they did this profile piece, which I thought was good. You know, it kind of gave you some insight to her headspace. Like, I don't care if I win or lose. I just want to hurt people. It's like, okay, well, if that's the case, then you're doing fine because <laughs> your win-loss record there is not stellar. But, it, again, it's, it's, it's well done, well-crafted. Uh, <clears throat> there was a preview. Um, not not that, I'm sorry. Um, there was a, a character-breaking video of Lana Starr showing her being nice to dogs and whatnot. Not, and my note to that was why. Why? Why would you do this? I understand that everybody here knows, everybody listening, everybody watching, wow, pretty much knows that wrestling is a work. I get that. But I, I do believe that you have to have some kind of standard there. And to have uh, to have a, a character-breaking video with your lead heel, because that's basically what she is. Lana Starr is their lead heel. It works against the heel. I mean, I understand, and it's it's a nice charity. I'm glad that she's taking care of dogs and all that stuff like that. But but you're a bad guy. That charity should just happen and going on. That this is not one of those like I don't want to see that. It makes me want to root for you. It's the same thing I said with every other person when they did those vignettes. It's hard for me to boo you and root against you when you give me these things and like I want to boo her. She's taking in homeless dogs. She's saving puppies. Why would I boo this woman? So no, I did not think that that was there or needed to be there. I think it's you know just. I think it's just a bad place to put that on the show. We need filler, so just put in some stuff. Wow also ran a video addressing Jungle Girl and her fight with cancer. My the first note written there is it's about time. She's been diagnosed with cancer well over a year ago. I mean, it's longer than that. She, but she's been diagnosed with that a long time. How do you not address Jungle Girl? She's, she was loyal to that company. Just absolute loyal. I mean, look, she was there in 2000, 2000 2001. And when they went on hiatus and then he came back 15 years later and asked for somebody to... Uh, returned to the show, she returned. She came back. That's loyalty. But what you can you say? Is, uh, it should have been done a while ago. I'm glad that they did it, period. But it should have been done a while ago. This this video addresses the, the cancer and her fight against it and the wild support of that, her... Her business to some degree because it's taking place at an indoor phasm gym. And I, I thought, again, outside of the timing of it, I thought this was very nice. I, I still maintain it should have been done a long time ago. They just never did for whatever reason. Uh, then we get Miami Sweet Heat's promo, which is a good promo. You know, it, it The promo fits them. 
And it also makes this where Lana Star has a hand-picked opponent. So it could circumvent the idea that they uh, didn't earn it somehow. So let's go to the main event. As I suck down my coffee here, because I, I was uh, losing some, some strength. But thank you for the uh, wonderful blends of uh, caffeine and coffee beans to get me all crooked back up again. So anyway, uh, this might be a first for a while, just another seller. I, I don't know if I can recall that they've ever had a championship match that went two weeks in a row outside of when they first launched. I think Cage Heat did it when they when they first won the uh, the titles, and that was back in two thousand and one. I mean, it, it might legitimately be over twenty years since any champion in the wild has defended multiple occasions. And, I mean, and not just defended multiple occasions. I mean, multiple occasions within one one era. I mean, because you could, you could argue that maybe Cage Heat came back and they got to defend when they got the championships given back to him, but they got the championships given back to him like 15 years later. <laughs> Here, and we have to give the uh, – Miami Sweet Heat, a lot of credit here. If I would say, I know they like to put that on um, uh, Vicky Lynn McCoy, but I would say at this point, the really the, the centerpieces of the Fabulous Four kind of fall in on their laps. They've done more championship matches than anybody else within the group. They went through the tournament. They defeated the Tonga Twins in the finals of that, even though, yes, they cheated, but they're heels. They're supposed to. Uh, they defended against Campanelli and Rara. They lost, but then they got a, a rematch, and then they won. And then they went up against the uh, what, the Tonga Twins again, and now they're here. And I'm probably missing some. And they were part of the main event for the, uh, the, the big eight-person tag. They have probably been the most significant portion of Miami's, I mean, not uh, Miami Sweet Heat, but most significant portion of the Fabulous Four that I could really think of. Uh, this team was kind of labeled as the new generation, Steffi Slays and Jennifer Gen Z Flores. I keep carrying on about that. Now, the... I remember when they announced this, and I was thinking to myself, well, how are they getting a title shot? These two haven't won in weeks. Uh, they they lost in tag matches, and they lost singularly. So I'm not sure what they would be getting a tag team title opportunity for or title shot. I don't want to use a McMahonism. But the only explanation that they have that really comes close, and, it, and it's justifiable, is to have – Alana Starr, who is going to try and ensure that we get the most unqualified uh, opponents as we can. That much, I mean, that part I, I like and it makes sense because that sounds like something that Alana Starr would do. Um, it, it works for the environment that that took place in. Again, I would just refer to them as new generation. The new generation 
did not earn a title match. They did not win any number one contendership. They don't have a good track record at all. And singularly, I mean, they do okay, but they, that wouldn't justify getting a tag team match. So the only thing that makes it make sense is the, the line of star statement. It was kind of a, a small statement done within the promo, but I guess that's enough. Uh, but yes, I mean, if you go back and you're looking at Flores and Slays, they've lost over the last three weeks. So the ranking here for a team is not relevant. And either it means nothing or they're going with the story of Lana Starr handpicking opponents, which I hope is that because the last time they tried this handpick opponent thing, they did it with when they were on good grounds with Tessa Blanchard or she was just on good grounds with wrestling in general. And um, she was getting opponents handpicked for her, which didn't make any sort of sense because she was handpicking opponents that were highly competitive. And, you know, the whole story was she was trying to avoid people, but somehow she was wrestling in these super competitive matches, even if they were six and seven and eight minutes long. But here, uh, you know, like I said, all this, this works. Um. The commentators also talk about Steffi Slade's career. <laughs> this is one of those cases where, you know, we get to control the narrative again because they make it sound like the Bully Busters had some sort of good wrestling career. They didn't. And, you, know, <laughs> you know, and I can say that because I don't work for a while and I got nothing to gain one way or the other. And, and, and I like both of them. I really do. I like Keita Rush and Steffi Slade has improved by leaps and bounds. But the Bully Busters as a team did not have a good wrestling career. Aside from their initial outing, I'm not, you know, now that I think about it, I don't even know if they won that first match. They they might have lost. They they had a really good intro when they were first introduced, excuse me. Uh, they were like led to the ring by a high school marching band. I mean, you know, it 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 looked good for, you know, however minor it might have been. It still looked good. And what was that? I think they were wrestling Tropical Storm, some team that didn't last. And I believe they lost. Now, I have to go back and look at it. But I, but one thing I do know for a fact, the Bully Busters as a team, did they, they just had a whole bunch of losses heaped on them before they just ultimately split up. And then they got involved in the storyline that just never went anywhere. Steffi Slays got roped in by Abilene Maverick, a former wild girl who was uh, Barbie Hayden on the independent circuit, former NWA women cha- women's champion. And it was a, a case of Slays being lured in and being uh, tricked and Keita Rush trying to tell her like, that there's using you and, and Slays being too naive to understand. Storyline that went absolutely nowhere. But that's neither here nor there. I not, I digress on that. I'm just I'm just saying I know that the commentators like to try to, oh yeah, the bully buses, they were great as the note. The bully buses were they were a constant loss. I mean, that'd be like saying the Mokey brothers had were a good team. Look them up too, kids. All right, so the heat in this match was largely on Steffi Slays. Um the new generation almost didn't even tag. I think most of this was a one-tag match as it related to the 
new generation. Stephen Slayers is in there for an inordinate amount of time, get just getting beat up. So they got a lot of heat on Slayers. I, I do not mind the match or how the match went at all. When you take the idea that every woman on this roster is supposed to be some sort of uh, star or we're all wild superheroes, if you take that out of the equation, if you just go off of past wrestling logic, this would just be a glorified squash match. That's all this that's all this was. This this was a glorified squash match. It was a squash match that took place with two people that you know opposed to just random wrestlers who came out of the blue. So you got Slays and Flores. And Flores, you know, again, both of them did a good job. This is not a knock on either Slays or Flores. I think, and I said it before, I think they look good as a team. Uh and they they're Fairly color coordinated. I mean, uh, you know, they're not both wearing the same outfit, but Flores has got the little purple on, purple outlines, which matches Slay's entire tone. And so you can buy them as a team. And they seem to, they don't seem like they're completely off kilter as a team. They don't have a lot of tandem offense that they do, like the uh, Colson Twins or Miami Sweet Heat. They have tandem offense, but, you know, hey, they are sisters and they have tagged longer. They've, they've been tagging for a couple of years now. Uh, the first notable tag team championships that I can think of that they had was w, at WXW in Florida where they trained. Surprisingly enough, uh, they were also kind of in a faction with Marina Tucker at that time. Now, Marina Tucker, for those who don't know, is now Pe- uh, Penelope Pink. So there, there was already a synergy there with at least three-fifths of the, uh, I know it's going to sound weird, three-fifths of the Fabulous Fours. <laughs> and I want to say fifths because Lana Star is in it also. So, you know, that, that's the best way I can describe this match is that just in your mind, remove the idea that Slays and Flores are quote-unquote wild superheroes just look at them as two this is going to sound bad but just look at them as two jobbers and or enhancement talents in this case if you look at it that way then this match is absolutely fine and that's the only way you should i mean uh, you know it's they they're only there to try to facilitate uh, a win for miami sweet heat which is which is fine uh there was one spot in the match I thought was was really nice and it was uh <laughs> it almost got it to it was like okay they could have won you know and so I thought that was that was good I don't know who called that spot but it but it was very entertaining uh you had Flores who got into the ring she she gets the hot tag from from Steffi who was able to finally break free from getting beaten up by the twins and Flores is trying to handle both of them because Steffi slays is down right so she does the old double noggin knockers and all that stuff like that. They got a good camera shot, a lot of star on the outside, like what's going on, you know that that type of thing. And there's a spot in the match where Flores comes off the top rope and she does a high crossbody, and I think it's Lindsay that catches her. She catches her, but um, Steffi Slays comes in on the side and gives her a drop kick right in the back. Drop kicks her own partner, which makes her push. Uh, Flores down I mean push Flores down on top of Lindsay 
So she's got a good pin, and but the pin falls right into the corner of Miami Sweet Heat. Lori on the outside sees the cover, and it. She was good at this. It looks like she tripped herself trying to get, trying to get into the ring, and that's that's an old spot. The old trip yourself up trying to get in, and, they, and I can't make it in time. So there was just like a half second that she's like, they might actually win here, but she. Staggers almost trips up, but she does manage to get that save in at the last second. She drops the double axe hand on on Flores's back, and she saves her sister. But it was, but it they did it with such timing that it came off like they could have won. And and I have to give absolute credit to these two or these four. Uh, it was it was a masterful job in my view, masterful that they. Almost yanked the rug out, at least mentally. They almost yanked the rug out from people that was watching it because I, I walked into this thing thinking, okay, yeah, their new generation is not going to win this. But they, just for a heartbeat, got me to believe that, oh, they might pull this off. So anyway, once the save happens, then Lauren runs across the ring, nails Steffi Slays and knocks her off of the, uh, the apron. Now you have Flores in the ring at the mercy of Miami Sweet Heat. They shoot her in, and not quite a 3D, but kind of similar. Lindsay would be in the Devon spot. She picks her opponent up, picks up Gen, Gen Z. Lauren, on the other side of behind her, grabs the top end of uh, like the shoulders and head and neck of Flores and hooks her into uh, essentially a DDT position. So it is like a high elevation spike DDT that they give Flores. And I thought that it was, that's a really good finish for them. It, you know, it works. It's so long as nobody kicked out of it, I was like, this works. I like this. I like this this match. I like what they did. I like how they uh, delivered the match in what was essentially a squash, but an entertaining squash. Squash matches do not have to be not entertaining. I mean, the squash match is there to be a showcase for uh, – Basically, the stars, and in this case, the stars are or were Miami Sweet Heat. There was no reason for them to lose, and they didn't. So they went through the, the entirety of the show, and then they they got that off, and they continued to build, I guess, their their legacy. Lana Star gets up after this, and she cuts a promo. And I will say that she gets better and better and better at doing her promos. It just needs to make a point. She she talks with a lot of conviction. She knows who Lana Starr is. It just is just a standard Fabulous Four promo on repeat at this point, though. She there's there's no specific thing that she's saying like, hey, you know, we're gonna do this on this date. For these against these people, there's there's never that. They're all very vague, and I I go back to what we were talking about at the beginning when I put the Kevin Nash clip up talking about how you address for 
taped shows or, or the havoc that being on a taped show could create. And I think this is one of those things. It's like she doesn't know what the, <laughs> what to aim this at or who to aim it for. It's just outside of dealing with the Island Dynasty, what else can you talk about? It's, it's just going there and say, we're the Fabulous Four, we're the Fabulous Four, we're better than you, and we're never going to lose. It, like I said, it's, it's the standard Fabulous Four promo on repeat. The only thing that was added to that was you only get a match if I say so. Now, if there ever was a time for David McClain to flaunt or his authority or something like that, it should be at some point when this um, when she's carrying on about, I get to call the shots and this, that, and that. Now, how she's able to do that, I don't know. Any other time they had David McClain pop in like, ah, you don't call the shots, I call the shots. He's done that on a number of occasions with Lana Star. I don't even know what this whole deal is because they at times they go into this somewhat feud of Lana Starr and David McClain, which is absurd because where can you go with that? There is no blow off that you can have with Lana Starr feuding with David McClain trying to take his TV show away from him, which which again also stupid. Now I'm not saying that they're doing this now, but you know they that this is a storyline and angle that they did before. And I was like, really? Come on. You, you, you're never going to win that fight. Who has ever won the old, I'm going to take over your show deal? And she doesn't even really do anything to try to take over the show. It's just, it's the Lana Star show. She said that a couple of times. And, you know, Dave McClain kind of allows it because he's amused by it, I, I suppose. But, again, it is generally a vague, generic promo. The only thing that kind of sat in this particular one that made a point was you only get a match if I say so. Which, will again, with the reverse logic of that, we can say, all right, now I can see why the new generation got that match. Because Lana didn't view them as a, and I'm filling in blanks here, she didn't view them as a threat, so sure, you can have a match. What this does is this brings out the Tonga Twins to confront the Fabulous Four after the match. The note that I have is that, well, at least they keep this feud alive. You know, that that, that much is good. They, they are at least keeping this going. Uh, I did question where Leia Makoa is and Tiki Chamaro. I mean, aren't they part of the uh, the Island Dynasty pack? Uh, why are they letting the Tonga Twins go out here and try to confront them on their own? I I can only assume that they're still part of the show. I can only assume that they will return at some point. But they almost don't even bring them up. You know, once they got past that one thing, you know, the four-person or the eight-person tag, once they got past that and, and – you know, some subsequent title shots. It's like the dynasty kind of dissolved. We don't we don't see them. They don't cut promos together. We don't see them hanging out together. We don't see any of that. They're just, they just, it's, it's like it don't exist. So I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with that. I don't know where they're going to go with that. I don't know if they're going to bring it back around. I don't know if they're going to acknowledge it. I just don't know. The episode in and of itself First match, I mean, 
You got a debut match with BK Rhythm and Ariel Sky. That, that was perfectly fine. I thought that was that was good. Rhythm did her job and put Sky over. Uh, the Fury American that Americana promo drags this down. She tries. Now that this is the this is the credit that I'm going to give for Americana. She tries. She tries. She tried very hard. This is the she ran out there and she fought and she gave it fire. She she tried to give a fiery promo, but at this point they 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 give her. This is like the second time they they've given her something that we haven't seen. We never saw when uh, Commander Spars turned heel and turned into Amanda Rodriguez and allegedly attacked Americana and Jesse Jones. We never saw uh, the heavy metal sisters bullying her son or stepping on her tablet or even the reasons why. So she's, she is trying to make chicken salad here out of, you know, so I don't bust up the monetizations here or get pushed off. I'm not going to say chicken excrement. We'll call it that. Doesn't sound as good as the, the you know, the actual saying, but you get what I'm talking about. She's probably trying to make the best out of that, but uh, but at the same time, promos are not her strong suit. Uh, there's she at times looks like she's lost and she's trying to remember the dialogue or you know what what was written for her or something along those lines. That's how she looks. I'm not saying that's what it is, but that's how she looks. And you know we we got the whole and my partner she can't wrestle anymore. Really? When did when did that happen? Anyway, um, what was the next the tag team match? Campanelli and Ra Ra versus Ice Cold and Genesis. You know, we've got essentially three cold matches. One match that didn't even go anywhere. Fury and Razor. I mean, uh, Fury and uh, Americana. That didn't even go anywhere. That was thrown out. Sky and BK Rhythm and this tag team match: Ice Cold Genesis versus Campanelli and Ra Ra. Uh, all of those matches were everything that happened there was just fine. It was a B of you know that that was the show. The it can't be an A just because the like I said, the Americana promo drags that down. She did fine physically, but the promo drags it down. Doesn't make any you know, it's just just another one of those wild things. Like just just say this and then we'll go on. And they'll buy it. Or they'll or they'll just go in go with it. Like, you know, you could at least just shoot which is your your cell phone, somebody stepping on a tablet. If you and, and incorporate that into the show. But, you know, what do I know? Uh the main event, it 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 was good for what it was. It was it was it was just a a means to pad on some wins for a Miami Sweet Heat. And the Fabulous Four, you know, by proxy of Miami Sweet Heat, Fabulous Four gets built up with their with their victory. I seriously wish and hope that if they ever come across doing another hardcore match of any sort, that they actually try to get some sort of level of heat off of it and have some actual weapons or something along those lines because, you know, the whole... Give me the mirrors and uh, the rulers and all that stuff. That that that's just ridiculous. We don't shortchange the girls. If they're allegedly supposed to be the better, the best women wrestlers in the world, and that's what they're presented as, 
They presented as this is the the cream of the crop. We're at the top of the list. We are the best women's wrestlers in the world. You will not find a better collection of women's wrestlers than here at WOW. That is the the presentation. It is a false presentation because you've got so much talent out there. I mean, it's it's a hard field to fight. The only thing that they have that – that they can make claim over everybody else is that their entire show is dedicated to the women rather than a division. So they don't have to compete with AEW's division. They don't have to compete with WWE or Raw or SmackDown or NXT's division but the women or Impact's division. But the women within those divisions get more wrestling leeway rather than just TV. When they want to deliver some heat, when they want to look like they're in a feud, when they want to look like they're in a fight, they have far more leeway to try to get people to believe or at least suspend the disbelief that they are angry and mad and they want to kill each other than the wild will ever have. I mean, I, in order for them to get that, they would have to really change some of their rules. So <laughs> that that's what it's going to come down to. They're, they're going to have to change some of the rulings about who we aiming this for, and are we going to continue to push this for, for kids, or are we going to go with trying to make this work for the adults that are probably or should be up watching this? I mean, Saturday night in and of itself is just a hard night to try and get some people to watch TV in the first place. So, At a certain age, you want to be out of the house, but you know, for those who aren't, you might want to tune into some wrestling. Now, here is uh, one other thing that I want to talk about before we close this thing up. Is Saturday nights had been largely left alone as far as wrestling is concerned. Uh, for, or I should say as far as um, WoW is concerned. They have had their 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 run of the, the roost. You know, they they have not had to deal with another competing wrestling program of any sort to eat into their audience. That may be about to change. Depending on what city you're in, what area, uh, what time your wild program comes on, that could be getting ready to change. I'm sure by now you have heard about uh, AEW's new show, AEW Collision, which is set to air officially on June 17th. As I'm recording that, that means that that is tomorrow as as I'm recording this. Now, you probably hear this after I say it, but because this episode... It's going to be in a little bit of a time loop. Uh, it will upload probably after that. But like I said, as I'm recording this, that's tomorrow. They're ready. And their match that they have or matches that they have, and this isn't all women, but we're going to say this is the show that they have going on right now. You got Buddy Matthews taking on Andrade El Idolo. You got Wardlow taking on Luchasaurus. Miro is in action. 
If you're looking for women's wrestling, you got Sky Blue and Willow Nightingale taking on Tony Storm and Ruby Soho. It should probably be a reasonable show to watch. I'm surprised that Punk isn't there because that's pretty much the whole reason that they put put the show together. But that's, I mean, that, that's uh, a whole different story and doesn't really matter at this point. the The point of this is AEW's collision potentially. I'm not gonna say that it will because Wild's fan base is Wild's fan base, and they probably will not jump ship for any wrestling promotion, you know, much less AEW. But there are going to be some people that's watching that that's, you know, if they're given a choice that and they got access to, <clears throat> to watch the show, then they're probably going to. This, I'm trying to say what, I, I believe it's, Set the air what at 10 p.m. Saturday nights. Now, in some markets, that is going to eat be directly against. Uh, wow, I am really interested in seeing what the ratings are going to be. Now, getting Wow's ratings are not easy. <laughs> it's, I mean, I got to track those things down, but uh, yeah. I'm I'm going to be interested because up until this point, as I have read the um, the ratings, the ones that I've seen, while averages about a quarter of a million people week to week. That is that's basically what they do. They they average about a quarter of a million people week to week. Uh, if they are on at that time, then it, it may just it may hurt them. Now I'm trying to look at it here and see where they're gonna be on because I, I think that's that sounds late for them. Uh, oh, okay, here we go. All right, so Wow may have just got a pass. They may have gotten a pass. AW Collision is set to run on TNT at 8 p.m. on Saturdays. And it'll run for two hours, so it'll it'll roll right into whatever movie of the week that they're putting on or TV show. So potentially you could you know you could have your a full night of wrestling. Now again, that's not to say that this still leaves while unchallenged or untouched. A lot of times you don't, you know, some people do not want to have some other rustic promotion on the same night at all you know much less that close but if wow begins to come on at 10 o'clock as you're watching cm punk let's say in the main event cutting a promo or explaining something or something like that and it goes over there's some people that probably forget <laughs> to change the channel or what have you it, you know it for them, hopefully, that is not a big issue. I, and I'm saying this sincerely. I hope that for their sake that that does not start to do that. But, again, you have to take into account that they do have Saturday nights. Saturday nights had been theirs unchallenged by any metric of wrestling, at least, since they premiered. Now, there, there's something else there. 
And if TNT decides to go mucking around and change the time slots or push it back or push it forward or, hey, we like this stuff, guys, let's just change it to three hours, you know, I hope they never do that. I hope they never, ever, ever <laughs> decide to, hey, let's make it three hours. But given TNT, sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, you know, our, our viewers want to see this at nine opposed to eight or whatever the case may be. So that is possible. It is possible. But we will see. We'll, we'll look at this. We'll see how this goes. All I'm saying is, in, in the case of WoW, they probably should book the best that they can book. I mean, it's hard for them to do it now because I'm sure all of this stuff is in the can. I'm almost positive. But with a show like this going on, they, there's one or two options that they can get. It can either hurt or they can help them. It can hurt them if it starts draining away people watching wrestling like they like they've had their wrestling fix and i don't feel like watching anything else i just finished looking at AEW, and i don't want to look at it or you know it starts exposing things that AEW does that wow does not or you know things like that so that that's possible on the other hand it can have the opposite effect it could and you know i'm sure wow is going to have their fingers crossed for this it might add into their their viewership. You might have people that start on watching wrestling at eight o'clock, and really, you know, their appetite for it is not quenched by the time that shows over. With. And they may be like, "All right, well, now where else can I find? Oh, there's there's all women's wrestling. There's one. I'm going to look at this." So you know that there's the possibility of that, but it needs to be watched rating wise. What might happen? I've seen the rating points for a while kind of trickle up and trickle down. The last time I looked at the ratings, I think the highest that they've gotten, and I wish I could remember what main event drew this, but the highest I've seen that they've gotten was about 350,000 across the country, rating-wise. But then it's also dropped down to about... 198 or something along those lines as far as uh, their viewership is concerned and I know a lot of that is dependent on here's the other side of that equation them being in syndication you have to find where WOW is in one market to the next I've used Pittsburgh as an example WOW airs in Pittsburgh on what is that W. PCW, I think. If I remember right. But I know for a fact that they have pushed that show wherever they felt like they felt like they needed it for that day. They've bumped their prime time and slid the prime time up into the late hours, which caused WOW to slide down to uh, the wee hours of the morning. They've been on as early as 10 o'clock there, and they've been on past one. You have things like that that, you know, and some people who don't either want to hunt it down or they don't have a DVR for regular TV broadcasts or something like that. They, some people just quit. Last thing you want is for people to have to struggle to find your program because that is an easy way for people just to give up. And like, you know what? Screw this. <laughs> so, I mean, that those things are things to keep in mind. As we go forward, as we look at the ratings, as we see how this new wrestling show is going to affect the WOW show 
or you know, good, bad, or indifferent, it'll be interesting to see. So I will be keeping my eyes open for that. I'll also re-encourage you before I leave. If you looked at the schoolyard brawl on WOW, I am going to ask that you go to the NWA YouTube channel and look up Hardcore Team War so you can see the difference. It is a very noticeable, very visible difference between how they treat their hardcore. It's a very noticeable and visible difference between Pretty Empowered and the Fabulous Four. Go and watch that match. That is your homework assignment. Go and watch that match. If I remember, I'll just put the link below. But yeah, you need to go and watch that. Uh, and I am off to go watch the uh, F- SFC Women's Tournament so I can see how this whole thing ran down. If you're not watching it, it will probably be a review. Again, congratulations to all the ladies involved. Big congratulations to Brooklyn Creed for becoming their first champion. And on that note, I think we are done here, ladies and gentlemen. We got another one down and ready to roll. So I, I will wait till the fall next week so I can see what is going on with the uh, next episode of WOW. And I can see, I'm going to try to look for these ratings to see if anything has changed. And if I see a, a downtick following the 17th, well, you know what's happening. And so with that... I will make my uh, exit speech that this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long and we'll see you on the next go round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.